They say that in the case of mysterious deaths, the first 48 hours are critical. If investigators can't make a breakthrough in that time, their chances of resolving the case are very much diminished. But what if you don't make a breakthrough in 48 hours or 48 days? What if you don't make a breakthrough in 48 years? Welcome to the mysterious case of Fred the Head, one of the UK's most baffling unsolved crimes. Episode 45, The Connection. This is going to be a short, but hopefully quite an interesting and important podcast. And one of the reasons that we're releasing this podcast so rapidly after the last podcast is simply because sometimes things just happen quickly. And rather than sit on that information, we wanted to share it with you because sometimes only very occasionally maybe once a year in relation to this podcast something happens that makes the hairs on the back of your neck stand up so it's a short update really but i wouldn't be putting this out there unless i thought you're going to find it very interesting and it started when we were discussing amongst the steering group ian joe magdalena emma myself what we'd do if we found ourselves in John Jick's shoes that afternoon of the 1st of February 1969. And that thought process took us a long way really quickly. Pretty much everything we talk about on this podcast is true. It's in the public record, demonstrably true. Where there is conjecture, I'll try and point it out, but there isn't very much. Now, it's our belief that John Jick did not die of his injuries on February the 1st, 1969. They went severe enough. He probably didn't die for some time to come because we think the sighting in April is likely to be genuine. It was at that point where John Jick saw reports of him being sighted a few months later that he decided to get away and quickly. Now, we can't be sure about any of that that stuff definitely is conjecture, but I think it's a reasonable position to take. Because John Jig knew his life, as he knew it, was ruined. It's in tatters. He risked being outed. He risked losing his job. Almost definitely he was going to lose his beloved contact with the scouts. He would be shamed, ridiculed, potentially imprisoned back on the Isle of Man. So... In John Jick's shoes, what would you do? If you were going underground, you couldn't continue with the name John Jick. It's just too unusual and everyone's looking for you. So what would you do? One option is adopt your mother's maiden name. And we all get asked for that on our internet security systems. It's a name everyone is generally familiar with. There's no memory required. It's very familiar. It's a good substitute. But where does that take us in relation to John Jick? And this is where, during the investigation into that phase, things start to become really 
fascinating. And everything we tell you from now on in is there in the public record. There's no conjecture. And in fact, none of this requires John Jick to have adopted his mother's maiden name. It was just the way that we identified who John Jick's mother was. John Jick's mother's maiden name was Farger. F-A-R-G-H-E-R. That is not a common name. It's found in some numbers in the Isle of Man, maybe a hundred people. A few in Liverpool, very, very few elsewhere. Maybe a handful around the country. I personally have never met anyone called Farga. So, John Jick's mum, John Jick's mother, she was called Isabella Lily Farga. She was born in Douglas, the Isle of Man, in 1896. The Isle of Man is not a big place. It's not millions and millions of people living on the Isle of Man. So Isabella Lily Farga, born 1896, marries Edwin Jick in 1927. John Edwin Jick is born in 1931. That's John Jick. Are you with me so far? John Jick's mother was originally called Farga. Full stop, new paragraph. We've always struggled with John Jick having any connection at all to Burton. Now, he doesn't necessarily have to have a connection with Burton in order to be Fred. But wouldn't it be interesting if he did? And what I'm about to tell you is something that potentially connects John Jick not just to Burton, but to the actual deposition site. And credit to Joe for all the work she's done in uncovering this. And I know it seems crazy. And at this point, I should say, there may well be, in fact probably are, other perfectly legitimate explanations for what I'm about to tell you. This isn't proof. This isn't accusation. It's observation. But it's another piece of the jigsaw and an absolutely enthralling one. Now, of course, you may already be ahead of me. And if so, you're probably right. Someone with the surname Farga was living in Burton. That man is a man called Robert Gilmore Farga, born in 1919. And that in itself is quite interesting because we've got a very unusual name as the mother's maiden name, Farga, and we've got the same unusual surname cropping up in Burton. But of course, Robert Gilmore Farga could have been from anywhere. But in fact, when we've dug deep into that, he was born also on the Isle of Man, about 10 kilometers away from where Isabella Lily Farga was. It's almost inconceivable that these two people were complete strangers to each other. There's too few Fargas in too small a place. So, not only do we have a Farga in Burton in 1969, we have a Farga who spent most of his life in the Isle of Man 
1969. Now that's all very interesting, but it isn't the thing that made the hairs on the back of my neck stick up. This is what did that. In February 1969, probably around the 15th, so two weeks after John Jick disappeared, Robert Farger gets married. He's quite an old man, he's 50 when he gets married, but he gets married in Burton. And Robert Farger could have married anyone in the world that's not connected with this case. But guess who he did marry? Enid Nathan, David Nathan's sister. Now, one of the things I've noticed in this case is that coincidences do happen. They do. But this is a hell of a coincidence. Someone with exactly the same name, unusual name, as John Dick's mother, who's living in Burton, marries David Nathan's sister, David Nathan, of course, being the man who two years later finds Fred. So now we have a potential link from John Jick to David Nathan. That made the hairs on my neck stand up. Now, of course, we don't yet know whether John Jick is Fred. He's still a long shot. And these facts that we've uncovered, well, they could be perfectly unconnected. Just coincidence. But isn't that the weirdest connection you've ever heard? And it's all there in the births, marriages and deaths. So we've still got a lot of work to do. But I wanted you to know exactly where we are because that feels important. So until next time, have a good one. The Mysterious Case of Fred the Head is a GSE Media production. Written, produced and narrated by myself, Ken Davis. <laughs>